Are you ready? Ready as I'll ever be. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Conversation on Tap, a podcast that seeks to promote intelligent dialogue in an age of echo chambers and alternative facts. Pull up a stool, pour a glass of tasty beer, and join us each week as we talk about all the topics you were told not to discuss in polite company. My name is Jose. My name is Christina. And this week, we will be joined by Joe Payne an independent journalist who covers local and national politics and is the host of the YouTube channel Political Pain. But first, Christina, what do we have on tap? We are drinking the White Claw Black Cherry. Yeah. <laughs> I think I, I said this before, but I feel like I belong in a, at a frat party or something. Yes. Like this is such a bro drink. Or like on Summer House. Yeah. For instance. Bravo Summer House. Yeah. But it's really good. We're drinking the black cherry. It's got 100 calories, 5% alcohol by volume. I like that it's got like really low sugar content. Oh, yeah, that's right. Even though alcohol itself turns into sugar. So I think it's a healthy alternative. It is a healthy alternative. And for those people who believe in gluten intolerance, which is a myth. I'm just kidding. Um, It's gluten free. So there you go. <laughs> Are there gluten-containing alcohols? I actually don't know. Joel would know that. I have no idea. Yeah. Speaking of Joel, Joel is sick. So our last episode was titled, We're Back! And then as soon as we got back, Joel was sick. And he will be sick, I'm guessing, for the time being. So we hope he rests and recovers and yes, yes. returns soon. Poor Joel. And now for the segment of our show that we call Fred Talks. In this segment of our show, Christina and I will each share one thing that we're passionate about for two minutes, though we tend to be quite mm, profuse, so that isn't a strict time limit. This week, I will discuss Joe Biden's Catholicism. As you may well know, he is the second Catholic president uh, elected in the United States Interestingly, in 1960, when President Kennedy, then Senator uh, Kennedy, was running for president, he was compelled by a strong anti-Catholic sentiment to come out and publicly state that he was an American first and then Catholic second. Mm. He had to basically reassure everyone that no, there won't be like a hotline or like a red phone that connects him directly to the Pope. In other words, uh. he, wouldn't, he wouldn't take marching orders from the Pope. Right. Now, yeah. 2021, Joe Biden has been quite open with his Catholicism. He yeah. wears he wears his faith on his sleeve. In fact, in the White House, behind his desk, he has like a little table with a bunch of pictures of his family members. Mm -hmm. Among those pictures is a picture of him with Pope Francis. Nice. So he's quite open. He's not even shy about saying, hey, I'm tight with the Pope. I'm Catholic. What are you going to do about it? Um, and that was quite evident in his inauguration. So the day of, he went to mass mm -hmm. and it was a bipartisan mass. He invited people from both sides of the aisle. And then the inauguration itself started off with an invocation and an opening prayer uh, led by Father Leo Donovan, 
who is a Jesuit priest. Even their performers were Catholic. So Lady Gaga, which was a surprise to everyone, is very much a practicing Catholic. What? Get out of here. Very much so. Wow. She goes to Mass. She prays. She posts um, things about her faith on her uh, social medias. That is a factoid I did not know. Very much so. Wow. And I, I'm a, quite the connoisseur of pop culture, so... Oh, there you go. Mind blown. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez is a Catholic, but I would... Not that I want to judge anyone, but I, I would think she's nominally Catholic. But we'll take that. Don't get me started on J-Lo. <laughs> Hey, she was Selena, so. Um, Selena. Selena. And then the poet who totally stole the show, Amanda Gorman. She's a Catholic. She goes, yes. She's Catholic? She's Catholic. Wow. Yes. And then if you look at the people who were gathered there, sitting right behind Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. She's Catholic. She's second in line. After um, Kamala Harris to be president. Yeah. And then um, the person who swore Kamala Harris in, Justice Sotomayor, she's Catholic. And then Chief Justice John Roberts, who swore in Joe Biden as president, he's also Catholic. Yeah. So it's like this huge Catholic affair. Um, You're totally blowing your Catholic (laughs) horn right now. I'm just... Well... (laughs) What I'm, what really, what I'm pointing out is like Joe Biden is bringing all these, like he's beaten the bush and he's bringing all these people out. Yeah, like he is not hiding it. He's yeah. not pulling the Senator Kennedy like, oh, uh, I'm, I may or may not be Catholic. I'm not sure. Like, you know, he's not doing yeah. the whole like, he's not apologizing for he's his out faith. and proud. He's out and proud. He's mm-hmm. leading the parade. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just also point out that in his inauguration speech itself, he had references to. Saints, he used biblical verses. Um, he quoted Psalm 30, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Mm-hmm. Um, and he even had a moment of prayer for the victims and their families of COVID 19. Yeah. So um, I point this out because during the campaign, Trump made it very clear that he was the Christian candidate. And he made it very clear at several rallies that Joe Biden would quote unquote hurt the Bible or that he would somehow persecute. Christians. Joe Biden is very Christian, very much a man of faith. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, Joe Biden was sworn in on this Bible that's been on his family since 1893. I saw that Bible. That was something yeah. to see. This massive yes. Dewey Rames old school Bible. Yeah. And you can see that, that that Bible gets read. That is his family's Bible. Right. Unlike his predecessor, Trump, who cleared a park full of Peaceful protesters tear gas them, so he'd go in front of a church and have a photo op holding up a Bible as a prop. Right, right. Joe Biden is coming with his well-read, well-worn Bible. Well, you you shall know them by their fruit. Yes, right. He's going to authentically express his Christian faith. Um, Go to Mass Weekly. um, Something that hasn't been done by any president in decades. Just want to make that clear, everyone. Yeah. So, if you want to know who Joe Biden is. Take a look um, at his faith, and you'll learn a lot more about him. All right, Christina, what do you have for us this week? So this week, I was getting into the Word, and you know, I came across Jesus calms a storm in Mark chapter four. And I mean, this is a a, a story that a lot of people are familiar with. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard it 
so many times before. And there was a part in it that it just, it just got me to stop mm. and think and, and process. I mean, I was chewing on it for a while. And the part that, that really got me was when it says Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion mm -hmm. the disciples woke him and said to him teacher don't you care if we drown and the part that got me was that jesus was in the stern mm -hmm. he was lying on a cushion and they woke him mm -hmm. right so i started thinking about this and thought well that's easy for jesus to say you know quiet be still because he's the creator of the heavens and the earth mm -hmm. And, you know, of course they have to obey him, the elements, that is. Creation doesn't have power to kill the creator. Mm -hmm. And that led me to, which is why Jesus gave his life freely, because no one could take it from him. Mm -hmm. Not even creation itself. He gave it freely. I think that has a lot to do with why he could sleep in the midst of a raging storm. He is the peace of God, asleep in his own creation. Mm. And if the and if the disciples really recognize Jesus for who he is, then they should have come to this conclusion on their own. They should have seen that he was at peace, therefore have peace about this situation. But oftentimes it doesn't work like that when we're in the midst of a storm, a physical storm that is. What I'm getting at is that he was with them. Mm -hmm. He was with them physically then, and he is still with us now. So we should have confidence in the one who calms the winds and the raging seas because he is still with us. Mm -hmm. If he resides in us and we in him, then what can come against us? Not even the wind and the seas. Yeah. I was just chewing on that for you know quite a while and just having revelation about that you know and it made an impact on me mm -hmm. you know because not only do we have physical storms and when we're in a physical storm i mean it could be the most frightening thing of our lives but if he's there then we should have confidence in peace that he's got it all handled. Mm -hmm. We're in his hands, but we have to trust him. Yeah. Jesus in that moment shows us how we should be in the midst of a storm. Right. Not freaking out, not having fear or anxiety. Right. But we should be so at peace that we could just chillax on a cushion. <laughs> and sleep. And no sleep. Less. Right. And sleep. Yeah. But it shows you that Jesus is the author of creation. The fact that he commands the seas. Absolutely. So anyway, that was that was my little... No, it's true. Because we all have these storms that we're in. Our boats get rocked. Absolutely. I mean, all the time we mm -hmm. will come across our little squalls. Mm -hmm. You know, how are we going to handle it? Are we going to handle it in the natural with what we see, our eyes, mm -hmm. our senses? Or are we going to look at him and trust him? Yeah. And that's also true on the national level. He's been crazy with COVID. Absolutely. The election, Black Lives Matter protests in the wake of the George Floyd killing. So much upheaval in our nation. Right. 
and uh, how are we responding? Yeah. Are we responding with fear and anxiety or are we at peace? Right. Well, that's why, you know, we don't keep our eye on man, but our focus should always be on the Lord. Mm -hmm. Because this is a storm right now. Yeah. I mean, 2020 is carried yeah. on over to 2021 so far. Yeah. 2021 is the sequel to 2020. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully this is the rare occasion when the sequel is better than the, the original. Yes, yes. I believe that. Yeah. I, I, I believe that it won't be. I hope. So today we're joined by Joe Payne. You're a journalist, independent journalist here in Santa Maria. Yep. And actually, we both know my cousin Henry Houston. How do you guys know each other? Um, I believe we met in music theory class at Allen Hancock College, um, which is also where I, I met my wife. Um, but yeah, uh, Henry was taking music theory with Dr. Marcus Engelman, basically like the musical Gandalf of Santa Maria. You know, if you ever meet mm -hmm. somebody who took his theory class, they will speak in hushed tones and <gasps> Engelman, you know, with reverence and all that stuff. But I remember us uh, hanging out. And there, um, he's a really great uh, guitar player, and I actually sold him a guitar of mine years and years ago. So, <laughs> Henry, oh, wow, yeah, yeah, small world. Because I had come across your YouTube channel, yeah, um, and that's when I left a comment and I reached out to you. And uh, shortly after that, Henry, my cousin, texted me and said, "Hey, do you know this uh, Joe Payne guy? You should have him on your podcast." Yeah, cool. Yeah, I actually reached out to Henry. Um, for an interview with, that we're going to get to eventually about uh, the whole situation, his lawsuit against the Salem, Oregon Police Department for shooting him while he was covering, not with bullets uh, or lethal bullets, but with these less than lethal, they call them uh, crowd dispersal rounds or whatever they call them. He got he got popped by, by them, even though he's identifying himself as press. So I definitely want to talk to him about that. That happened during the summer, of course. Uh, during the BLM uh, resurgence, but yeah, the, uh, the the targeting of the press last summer was super concerning by law enforcement. So, yeah, definitely. Maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself before we dive in. Well, uh, I grew up here in Orchid, Santa Maria. Um, you know, I grew up in Orchid. I lived in Santa Maria. I went to Rigetti. Um, and you know, going to Allen Hancock College, working on a uh, currently right now on a transfer to uh, Cal Poly or elsewhere to get a history degree. That's why I think it's super cool. You're a, also a history teacher. That's kind of um, one of my goals uh, as well. Um, but I started on the school newspaper. Um, I was super into Hunter S. Thompson at the time. If you're familiar with him, Love a him. lot. Uh, a lot of dudes get into journalism by, you know, uh, getting into Hunter S. Thompson. And I believe it was the day after he blew his own brains out that uh, out of a sense of duty or whatever, I felt I had to do something. I joined the school newspaper and uh, had a really great teacher there, uh, Mr. Trumbull, John Trumbull. And he uh, was formative. So was my video and broadcasting and filmmaking teacher, Robert Garcia. I'm real I realized years later, the first journalism I ever did was in broadcast class. And then I was also on the school paper. And, and in my senior year, I was an editor of the school paper. And um, while I was in high school, 
I got an internship at our local weekly paper, The Sun. The Then it was called The Santa Maria Sun, but it's now just The Sun. And I was the calendar editor doing the community calendar part-time. And then years later, I started, um, you know, while I was doing college, I started um, writing uh, a music column once a week. Then I took over as the arts editor. And once I was full-time, school kind of took a back uh, seat as I just wanted to work full-time as a journalist. And I eventually worked my way up to managing editor which I did for two years um, until uh, I think I did it through 2017 and 2018. And I left the paper in January of 2019. So it's now uh, been more than two years. And yeah. last year during the lockdown out of, I, I, you know, I'd already assembled a lot of the stuff I needed, you know, camera and, and uh, microphones and whatnot, the one I'm using right now. And I wanted to do my own project, do my own independent journalism thing. Um, you know, and then the lockdown gave me the time that <laughs> there are no more excuses were needed. And I just wanted to get information out about COVID, about lots of different things. But so with my platform, I have a website, politicalpain.com. And then through YouTube and Twitch and live streaming, I do local journalism and local reporting, but I also do news of the day uh, or national news. Um, and, you know, we could even go to, into worldwide topics and foreign policy, whatever. You know, I, I try not to limit myself too much, though I do, you know, have the things I focus on that, that uh, you know, I have. But I wanted to do this to kind of provide for my area and, you know, broader audience, a kind of left progressive viewpoint that you're not going to get in this, uh, you know, corporate media, established media. And, and you don't even see, you know, out here um, in our daily newspapers or even the paper I used to be at the Sun, the weekly newspaper. You know, America has a long tradition of journalists who also share commentary and opinion as, the, you know, uh, they can do straight reporting. They can do a bit of both at the same time, report, and then also give you their commentary while they do that, or just offer straight commentary. So I kind of fit into all those categories with what I try to provide. Yeah, I, like I said, I've been watching your videos on YouTube. Cool, you're thanks. Very, you're very knowledgeable and very personable. Great interviews. Hey, thank you. I try. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm glad to, to have you on today. And uh, you have a YouTube channel as well. I've, I saw the video you did on the Capitol Hill uh, oh, attack, you. riot, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I did a I did a reflection on the insurrection, the attack on the Capitol on January yeah. 6th. I, I just had to share with my students my feelings. I, I, I love my job, teaching history and especially during this period of time that we're in right now we're living history so absolutely absolutely and that's um part of what is like motivating me to pursue a history degree is the fact that when we look at american politics and and the news um so many things uh, feel like they're just discussed in a vacuum or people um we have this cultural amnesia where yeah. we don't we don't remember things that happened 20 years ago, you know, mm -hmm. if you try to talk to someone about the 2020 election and Florida and the Supreme Court, and you bring up the Brooks Brothers riot, which is when paid Republican operatives stormed a the Miami-Dade County elector's office or registrar's office to stop the vote count, the recount, not totally, I mean, quite different from what happened on January 6, 20, uh, 2021. But most people that you, you mentioned Brooks Brothers riot, and they have no idea what you're talking about. And so, you know, that's just for 20 years ago, then you you bring in, uh, you know, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, the founding, all of that stuff. I feel yeah. context is something that historians give us that is 
really precious if you want to understand the moment you're living in. Um, and journalists, it's our challenge to um, incorporate that because people's attention is always fleeting. More people are going to read a 900 word story than a 9,000 words, you know, deep dive. So you got to um, try to convey that in a concise way as possible. Yeah, that, that's why uh, Gore Vidal referred to us as the United States of Amnesia. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Classic line. And yeah. so you grew up in Orchid? Yep. Man, I, I lived in Orchid for some time, but Orchid and Santa Maria have a perception as being conservative leaning. And for sure, I know I go through Orchid. I have family who live out there and you see the Trump flags. Mm -hmm. Very much a conservative stronghold in Orchid. But what I appreciate about what you're doing is that you're really um, changing perceptions um, that people have, misperceptions or misconceptions that Santa Maria mm -hmm. is conservative. There is a growing liberal or progressive element in, in Santa Maria. Yeah. Um uh, well, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that uh, it is shifting perceptions because um, you know I grew up in Orchid and you know in, in the Santa Maria Valley, and that was just what you were told, and what and this is just how it is. I mean, I remember walking down the street in high school with long hair and maybe a guitar over my shoulder, and having the F slur yelled at me out of a lifted truck, and um, you know all kinds of experiences like that. Um, I protested the war when I was in high school. It didn't make me uh, a bunch of friends other than, you know, the weird hippie kids like us who would protest the war, right? Uh, and uh, so, you know, it's it's not that this area um, isn't conservative or doesn't have a, a conservative strain and a conser and conservative representation in our in our local government it does mm -hmm. um but we've always had uh you know what i you could call liberals here right we've always had people on uh you know vote democratic um but definitely now i think the Trump and the Trump years radicalized a lot of people. Um, you know, obviously it radicalized uh, plenty of people on the right. We saw the result of that on January 6th, but it also has radicalized people on the left who maybe were just comfortable being liberal Democrats. But now, you know, the, after learning so much about our system, learning about the issues, um, you know, all the different systemic problems that we are yoked with um they are more comfortable calling themselves a leftist or a progressive left on the ideological spectrum of course some people go much farther than that um but i have i actually looked up a few stats really quick this is just for santa maria city proper okay mm -hmm. in 2016 we had 23,981 total votes that's just in city limits. I wish I'd looked up Orkut now, but um, this is interesting. It's illustrative, right? Clinton got 13,135 votes. Trump got 9,088 votes. Now, our city council is largely uh, Republican, right? Mm -hmm. And um, our county supervisor is a registered Republican. And so this is, you know, I mean, city government, they don't really run on party messages, but that just gives you an idea. That's just of the people. I mean, Santa Maria City is 110,000 people. We only have something like 30,000 registered, uh, or, or actually it's close to that. Let's talk about 2020 really quick. Um, we had 30,107 voters. So we're up more than, uh, right about 7,000 voters, right? 7,000 more people voted just in Santa Maria city limits in 2020 than in 2016. But the proportions are almost exactly the same. 
Biden uh, got 16,972, just a few, you know, a couple dozen shy of, um, you know, 17,000. And Trump got 12,091. So Trump voters went up about 3,000. And then um, Biden voters went up a little more than that. And so you see here that I think this is really illustrative of Trump and, and the Trump uh what we saw in the 2020 election was we had massive voter turnout. Some of that may be from um, vote by mail. Some of that may be uh, just because the election, because uh, so much has been going on. Trump has obviously been this lightning rod figure for both sides uh, to, you know, uh, catalyze around. And we had massive turnout. And as the numbers show us, when we, we if you have massive turnout, the Democratic Party will can eke out, uh, not eke out, we had millions and millions of more voters uh, on the Democratic side, but the Democratic Party, when they show up, you know, 2016, I think was a matter of people in key swing states just not showing up. They were registered, they're registered Democratic, they just didn't make it out to the polls. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. Uh, voter turnout matters, and when voters show up, they tend to vote blue. Yeah, um, I mean, and Republicans showed up in record numbers too this time around, you know, no, no question true. about it. Yeah. Um, but that, that's why I think the ground game is really important for Democrats. And, um, and we've seen some of that in Santa Maria. If we want to keep it on Santa Maria, mm -hmm. I was impressed. You know, I covered this election, uh, when, I believe it was the 2016 election, when Gloria Soto mm -hmm. uh, got on the city council. Gloria Soto's progressive, um, young Latina, works for Planned Parenthood. Not sure I would have seen that in Santa Maria um, before district elections. Definitely. We kind of had um, uh, at large voting where you could cast two votes and it, that kind of voting largely favors incumbents and familiar faces. And, um, you know, that's, you know, we still have several members of the council who benefited from that system. We got district elections and Gloria Soto was able to unseat um, moats. Dr. Motes, I believe, or am I, am I misremembering? Anywho, it's, uh, it's very um, fascinating to see those dynamics just on the representative side in Santa mm -hmm. Maria change a bit, too. We've had Gloria Soto on this show. She is oh, wonderful, amazing, brilliant I, young lady. I got to listen to that episode. Yeah, and I would love to have her back on again to address some of the uh, more recent issues going on. But you're right, we've also had on Hazel Davalos. She is another local organizer. And so we have these young people. That's what I love about what I'm seeing change in Santa Maria, all these young people who are getting active and uh, involved in local mm -hmm. politics. And they're not just sitting around exchanging these grand ideas. They're actually on the ground working to bring about change. And like you said, that the move to make city council uh, members elected based on district was a huge change. Yeah, the things that, that uh, Hazel, for example, is doing with, with immigrants and you know housing and everything with, with that population, it's, it's incredible. But we've also yeah. seen um, young people really, I think uh, this last summer, be galvanized by the George Floyd uh, killing, winning all the Black Lives Matter protests. Did you, you covered that? Too. Yes, I did live coverage of it. Um, I, I mean, some of it literally went, <laughs> I could hear it from my house. So I just like ran outside <laughs> with my phone. Um, but uh, uh, really quick, um, Hazel and her, uh, the organization she's with, Cause, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Central Coast Alliance United for a Sustainable Economy, right? Um, uh, they are, yeah, they've been a long time group 
you know, serving the community in that way. Um, but what I saw on, and, and this is the thing, having been, you know, progressive and on the left uh, in Santa Maria for a long time, you, you tend to know who everybody is and you feel pretty lonely. Uh, and, or, or it's been that, it's felt that way over the years. And so when, uh, you know, so I knew who Hazel was. Actually, funny enough, Hazel and I were like in the same class uh, same school since like I think kindergarten. So I've known Hazel oh, forever. Yeah, I've always known Hazel. So uh, it was really cool to to see her take that role um, and be such an advocate. But uh, I think you know I'm sure a lot of people uh, in Santa Maria are excited to see when I went out and covered the Black Lives Matter rally. I saw hundreds of people in the street. When I'm used to seeing at a at a protest um in santa maria you know maybe a hundred right you know or or dozens of people um never usually with brazen enough to block the street uh mm-hmm. but that's what we saw was literally hundreds of people four or five I, I don't i'm not the best with those kind of estimates maybe 600 people um you know with signs and i i recognize several right i recognize several people who i knew as you know, these are the people you can count on to join a, you know, left-leaning march in Santa Maria, California. But then also this, the rest of the crowd is flushed out with people who, you know, they're just young people or people who maybe had never done anything like this before. I interviewed several people um, over, you know, over 2020 who were just, you know, I said, have you ever done anything like this before? No, never, never, never have. So um, that was interesting to me. And, you know, it's, definitely uh like i said we saw an increase in voter turnout um but you know the other thing is there are now more organizations i just interviewed on my live stream last night um activists with sbslo alliance you know santa barbara san luis Obispo county alliance and they do mutual aid there are a bunch of groups organizing mutual aid uh on the central coast and in the valley santa maria youth abolitionists these are police abolitionists and you know they are feeding people clothing people handing out hygiene kits um you know and organizing this all on their own it's you know autonomous grassroots they have no leadership it's true leftism right they're not they're not nonprofit, um you know supported they are completely grassroots um in, in every sense of the word so you know th- seeing all of that it's just kind of it's a whole new ecosystem that i'm trying to make people aware of and you know kind of platform these folks with uh you know with what i'm doing so that everybody knows yeah santa maria there's a lot going on here now, you know? Yeah, and I think that's one of the silver linings of the Trump administration, if you could uh, call it that, that people are motivated. People are actually paying attention to what's going on in the world, what's happening in our nation. They're studying their history more, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, actually, The Constitution, the, the amendments <laughs> to the Constitution, yeah. What a concept, yep. right? <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, you have all these young people who are like, you know, I'm, I'm tired of waiting. I'm, t- I'm tired of waiting for the adults to, to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And they're taking action. I, like I, I'm a music teacher too. I have st- several music students who are kids and I've always kind of let them, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, let them know like, 
you know, sarcastically like, oh yeah, you know how the adults, we totally have everything figured out, you know, like (laughs) just to, just to like, you know, hand them that olive branch. Like I'm not lording over you as an adult, right. You know, cause even when you're a younger adult, you know, in your twenties, you still have this feeling, or I think a lot of people have the feeling that, oh, well, I, I'm still a kid. I don't know anything about what the world is or how it works. I need to let these serious people, I need to listen to them. Um, but when, you know, the country elects possibly the worst among us, yeah. um, for the job, right. Um, it was absolutely, you know, it's not just a matter of qualifications. It's a matter of, um, you know, temperament. It's a matter of psychology. It's a matter of just civic understanding. And like you said, uh, historical understanding, uh, uh, you know, how the constitution works. So, you know, I think for a lot of young people, it was like, Oh, Hey, Mm-hmm. Adults, you know, they're, they're not in, in any more control or they're not any better than we are. And in fact, a lot of the kids um, these days might be even more informed um, because they live so much on the Internet. Right. Um, that, you know, and and even with millennials too, the numbers bear out among millennials as well, where we were you know, very much responsible for winning uh, Bernie Sanders, the states that he won in the primary. Mm-hmm. You know, when, once the numbers fell out, that's where the most of his support rests, you know, and you go look at there are other really interesting uh, studies and stats that suggest that the baby boomer population and the older, uh, you know, cohorts are more likely to be the ones sharing fake news and misinformation on Facebook and uh, these platforms that are now barely trying to scramble to do something to, you know, quell the amount of disinformation that they've been uh, harboring on their platforms. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's been uh, a desolation. I'll put it that way to, (laughs) <laughs> to see so many friends and family share fake news on their social media, yeah. like yep. and having these insane arguments over, you know, the efficacy of wearing a mask or Jeez, social yeah. distancing, and there, there's just no regard for for facts or for science whatsoever. Yeah, it's been disheartening. Well, well I think COVID was a flashpoint, right? COVID exposed a lot of things that you know. I mean. You know, if something's wrong with your house, if you have faulty wiring, if there's a bunch of rot under the uh, the floorboards, you know, and uh, you know you have uh, you know termites and bats living in the attic, right? If something cataclysmic happens, like you have a flood or whatever, then when the guys come in to you know check out your house, they're gonna, oh, did you know about the black mold? Did you know about the termites? Did you know all of that stuff comes up? And yeah. so with COVID, you know, the anti-science cohort has. Mm-hmm been a uh, you know has long been a part of american discourse right and it's not just limited to the right wing um you know i when i think of right wing anti-science discourse a lot of it can be tied to you know kind of uh evangelicism and christian nationalism i'm talking about anti-evolution in the schools um you know a- anti-climate change which has a lot of economic um industry corporate influences on that as well right um but you also have in like the kind of um new age you know world which can totally lean left as well you have reticence about vaccines you have reticence about um you know and and some healthy skepticism towards things like pharmaceutical companies and the healthcare industry um but that it all just gets murky and clouded um with all other kinds of conspiracy theories you know, and, and we've seen con- conspiracy theory also 
flare up quite a bit under COVID with people just having time to sit at home and go down rabbit holes, whether it's QAnon or, or something else. Um, and, and people who you wouldn't think would fall into that type of stuff have, you know, and like, there's like a problem in the wellness and the yoga community with QAnon, uh, belief or, or mommy blogs, you know, where they're, uh, you know, sharing this misinformation that you're talking about. Sorry to go down that, that tangent there, but hey. It's all right. I think a lot of people are worried about it or thinking about it, so it doesn't hurt to talk about it. That's that's absolutely true. My grandmother actually just went uh, the other day to Hancock, and she got her first dose. So right on, right yeah. on. Anything we can do to normalize that's, it, I'm exactly, all for that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But um, talking about Santa Maria and our kind of conservative roots, if you could put mm-hmm. it that way, we still see the 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 Trump, the MAGA crowd they're still mm-hmm. alive and well here you actually had a video that was quite popular mm-hmm. um, i believe it was over on the corner of bradley and and uh betaravia yeah so this was the, the betaravia has long been like the area where a republican um you know demonstrators or protesters activists whatever you want to call them have met for years they would go to the government center and protest, you know, immigration or sanctuary laws or whatever else, basically anti-immigrant protests. Then, um, you know, as COVID happened, that same, you know, or the the protests started moving farther down Betaravia to, you know, like the uh, closer to Walmart along, I think it's the Toyota dealership there. And so, you know, the after COVID, it was they were lockdown protests and recall Gavin Newsom protests, right? Mm-hmm. And you'd see, you know, several. I mean, it's it's not, um, you know, n- nobody. It's not just a couple people out there. You'd have dozens of Trump supporters out there. And I went to one. It was one of the bigger ones. Um, and it, what piqued my interest was I heard there were going to be counter demonstrators there. And people, you know voicing their side against Trump and against Trump supporters. And that was actually how I met the activists I mentioned earlier, SBS Solo Alliance. And they were out there, you know, they're beating a drum, F Donald Trump, F Donald Trump singing. And, you know, they F that, um, you know, Spanish word, uh, P word, you know, and and (laughs) all kinds of stuff like that. And I've, uh, you know, and I was just like, wow, like I never, because, you know, we have like a good, conservative Republican contingent here in the area. And so it's not surprising to me that they would be out there doing that. And that's, that's their favorite place. But I wanted to go out and see these counter demonstrators. And what I captured was um, a Trump supporter, another person who I don't know his name, but I recognized him from growing up in Orchid and like from junior high and (laughs) all these other schools. Um, And he started pushing this counter demonstrator, knocked his sign out of his hand, and then later ended up taking a swing at him. Yeah, of course, it's my, this tells you the uh, the soulless evil of the algorithms on on things like YouTube. That's my number one video. Like it's been viewed more than 10,000 times now um, because, you know, it's, it's a scuffle at the Trump event or whatever. And, um, you know, and the comments have, are just blown up with people. You go F Donald Trump and people go F you. And, you know, oh, the, they started it. And no, and you could see, oh, what a, you know, what a B. He, you know, totally pulled that punch. And it just it has become, you know, or, but then also the comments that interest me are the people who just like, oh my gosh, I never would have thought this is where I'm from. I never would have thought I would see this in Santa Maria. Holy cow, you know, and, and here we are. So, and, and my response was, 
we've been seeing this all over the country for years now. Why would Santa Maria be any more special than anywhere else? We are kind of, you know, in a way like, you know, small town, every town USA, though we are growing into a bigger city. So that's what was interesting to me is, you know, just seeing it explode or, you know, and and I don't want to overblow what the event was. It was a scuffle between these two people. The PD, nobody landed a punch. The PD showed up, SMPD, and they, you know, got under control and then everybody just kind of left. So, um, but, you know, it it was a thing that didn't get mentioned in any other local media or covered or, or anything like that. And I was just there live streaming at the time talked to some Trump people, you know, and uh, some some of which were just like, I think Joe Biden maybe has dementia. Other ones were like, pedo Joe and other stuff like that, you know, and kind of on the QAnon route. So, um, you know, it's, it's just, it was a scene, that's for sure. I'm glad you mentioned QAnon. I, I actually had a, uh, a guest on a few months back, uh, mm-hmm. David Lafferty, and he's an expert on conspiracies. And we, we chatted about QAnon a bit. Do you see a lot of QAnon activity? Do you hear the QAnon chatter from people here in Santa Maria? You know, like not a whole lot directly, but you know, the, the, the farther you go to the right, people have a whole um, ecosystem of explanations and, and ideas, stories or, or, you know, informing, Uh, stories and you know i was at the post office once and a lady wasn't wearing a mask and she was like yeah i don't believe in any of that new world order stuff you know and she was just kind of like that you know and Mm -hmm. i have to admit like as someone who kind of watchdogs like the right and right-wing media like there's a really a video that a lot of people went over which was um after the january 6th alex jones screaming at a QAnon uh caller to his show you know which basically if you don't know alex jones is you know he doesn't want the competition but um yelling at a, at a QAnon person like everything you say is wrong you know like it always doesn't end up being true right yeah. and so you know um that is something as someone on the left to see the right implode and go to war with each other Mm -hmm. and um you know fall apart in that way is interesting um but you know you're always going to see people in whatever side um when you know when they when they lose power especially kind of go to war with each other and start blaming each other Um, my favorite thing was a lot of Republicans in Georgia angry about all the votes the libertarian candidate got, which, you know, as a, as a, you know, someone on the left who's seen the Green Party mess up, uh, you know, uh, national elections and swing states, that was that was pretty funny. But, um, you know, yeah, as far as direct QAnon, I mean, I'm sure it's here. I remember as as the election was happening, I mean, the, the one anecdote I have was a guy I've known, you know, throughout school. Um, after Hillary made her basket of deplorables comment, um, he w- and named the alt right. He was just over the moon. He felt seen, you know, and he was like, "We're finally getting the attention we deserve," you know. And I said, and and wow. so I really wanted to go back and forth with him. And let me get one thing straight: I can argue. And I mean, I, you know, like you, you get in those situations where some someone like, "Oh, you want to be angry and red face yelling at me?" Well, okay, I guess I kind of want to do the same with you, you know. And <laughs> but uh, we didn't get that far, but. I got him into it with just enough back and forth, kind of Socratic dialogue where I went, so you're an authoritarian then? And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. And I said, but like, why? You know, uh, um, and he said, because it gets stuff done. He didn't say stuff because it yeah. gets stuff done. And, um, you know, or, you know, because it's good for 
whatever. I said, it's good for who? It's going to be good for you, mm-hmm. right? but what about everybody else? So, you know, that from the beginning, I, and as a journalist hearing Trump's rhetoric towards journalists, I saw the warning signs. I saw these red flags going up. It didn't, uh, you know, help me professionally to talk about it or write about it um, like I did from the beginning um, because, you know, and that is part of this um, image Santa Maria has as the, you know, we're still a small town, a conservative town. This t- city is 100,000, 110,000 people just on the census, right, in the mm-hmm. city proper. You add Orchid, which is like 40, 50, 60,000 people. You're, this valley is close to 200,000 people. It's the one of the most populous areas between Ventura and Salinas. And um, the idea that it's still this little small town, you know, just an ag town. You know, no, it's not. We have, you know, lots of different industry and uh, beyond agriculture. Agriculture is still the king, of course. But mm-hmm. um, we, I mean, Santa Maria, you know, and, and you just think of all the people who live in Santa Maria but commute to Slow or other areas, maybe in Santa Barbara to work, or the idea of the bedroom community and all of that. It, uh, you know, it's interesting. So that that's why. I see, you know, the the changes in the population, the changes in the representation, and then changes in just who you see out on the street, you know, doing politics, demonstrating. Um, and I, I see that I see that the left has grown. I may have my a little bit of my bias because I I want to see that the left has grown, but that Black Lives Matter, the the organic one. Um, uh, that there was unrest, but it was hours and hours later. I documented that as well. Um, that was hundreds of people in the street. The Trump event, I went to that, and there were quite a number of them, maybe uh, you know, close to 80 or 90 or 100. But they also they didn't march. They sat there on the side of the road, and I recognized a lot of those folks. Some of them I knew were Lompoc Republicans who – had commuted to come and, and uh, you know, spend the afternoon there. So it tends to happen when there's even studies about this where, you know, if you're on this side, you will tend to overestimate what's going on on the other side because when you see it, it sets off these things in your brain. You know, like there they are, there they are. But um, just by the numbers, what I saw over 2020, you know, that that's how I've assessed it anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and just to kind of segue we actually had a local man yep. attend the insurrection of the Capitol. Yep. So we have people in Santa Maria and Orchid who are yep. very much part of this Trump kind of, I call it a, a cult. Cult of personality. It, it's, a total, it's a total cult of personality. I don't know if we want to say his name or not, but uh, maybe tell us a little bit about who he is and, and what he tweeted or what he posted on social media. Yeah. So, you know, I'm a journalist in the interest of it's all in the public record. It's all been reported out even by the Santa Maria Times. The guy's name is Doug Doherty. He, wa- he was uh, the like president or CEO or whatever you want to call it of the Oasis Senior Center, which is a pretty big, um, you know, uh, nonprofit in uh, orchid area which i don't know if they've broken ground yet on their new facility but they're like you know planning to build a multi-million dollar expansive uh, facility so he's the president or was the ceo he's since resigned mm-hmm. um and he went out you know he flew out boarded a plane in the middle of a pandemic <laughs> to join this uh you know stop the steel rally and w- what interests me is um well I should give the full thing. So he he went with this group that was promoting the event as the Jericho March. 
Um, and if you know your Old Testament biblical history, Jericho was the first city of Canaan to fall to the Israelites. The Israelites surrounded it for seven days and marched around the walls of Canaan, of, uh, of um, Jericho uh, before it fell. Okay. And so, you know, he posted the day before with like a picture, a selfie um, with him with his hood on and these sunglasses looking solemn and uh hashtag or he said something like tomorrow the walls are going to shake hashtag jericho mm -hmm. and um i say that because it's relevant that you know as soon as things you know what happened happened and it, i mean this is the thing is like there is this weird knee-jerk uh impetus that uh, not just the right but people across the spectrum and in the media and everything have to throughout the Trump years downplay every like boundary crossing rule breaking truly um, incensing thing that happens. Right. It's just, it's, it's just always, well, it's, you know, it's, you know, what it's a nothing burger. You're overreacting Trump derangement syndrome, right? It's a form of psychological uh, manipulation, I think. Um, and, you know, I mean, just so many things that have happened over these four years. So this guy, you know, Doherty, comes back to town, gives gives an interview to the Times, immediately says, well, I heard there was going to be Antifa infiltrating the, uh, you know, the, the movement to foment this type of thing. I just went there to pray, right? And so, and then he appeared on, uh, the Andy Caldwell show, right? And Andy Caldwell, um, he's the uh, failed uh, candidate who ran against Salud Carbajal in our, uh, the, uh, is it the 32nd House District for California? And it was just interesting, all the like barriers he tried to put uh, between himself and this event like well i've i've always been unaffiliated with party i didn't even vote for trump in either election mm. i'm more like a libertarian i didn't really you know and and i was just concerned for our country and i went there to pray for our leadership and our country to make the right decision because i believe that the there were all these questions about the election integrity you know and 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 you know i i don't wish any will on the guy i don't think anything uh you know bad should happen to him i wasn't even sure that i wished him fired or anything like that <laughs> but um you know to to assuage anybody worried about cancel culture right but it, it's just fascinating the pivot that people who were involved with this event you know because th there's been so much coverage done now you know there were literally people out in front of the capitol you know um just you know who you'd look at and be like well that's just a, your run-of-the-mill trump supporter and they're saying yeah we're it's a revolution you know and then there's other ones going there's no violence here you know like fake news as a you know as officer sicknick is bleeding internally mm -hmm. right um and others are you know in the hospital so you know and and there were there was a gallows hung and the zip tie guys who had plans and communication equipment and maps of the tunnels and apparently were um, corresponding with somebody who was inside the Capitol, possibly uh, Republican representatives. Um, and so, you know, we're learning more and more as this all happens. The thing that I try to get across and ha I have in my coverage is you had legit thousands and thousands of people there and you know you, you did have a bunch of uh you had it ran the gamut there were trump supporters who 
you know, saw the rally. Yeah. And then maybe I don't want to march to the Capitol. And then you had everybody who marched to the Capitol and just stood out in front of it and chanted and screamed. Uh, you know, there were some who even I heard some people who did reporting there that walked away as it started getting out of hand. I wasn't, I didn't come for this, you know, and then you have the people who just, yeah, people broke into the Capitol, but I just want to stand up on those steps there where they're supposed to inaugurate Biden in a couple of weeks. And I just want to stand there with my Trump flag. And, but I didn't go in, you know, and you have every level. And then you have the people who broke glass, pushed through, beat police officers with American flags, um, uh, trampled their fellow Trump supporters to death. I believe a woman carrying a don't tread on me flag oh. was trampled to death. Yeah. By Trump supporters. Some, a couple people fell off of walls. Um, one guy apparently tasered himself uh, to death, causing a heart attack. Um, yeah. So, you know, you have the, the bumbling, um, you know, tragic goofiness of you know all these uh, uh people who you know the guy wearing the horns who was a QAnon guy himself and you know it runs the gamut but that mass of the you know the the uh you know l- not so tame to the straight up dangerous trump supporters uh they give cover to the guys who were white nationalist you know neo-nazi neo-confederate uh, paramilitary c- currently or retired or had some type of military experience who were armed, who had zip ties, who were planning to kill members of Congress. So, you know, that, uh, you know, tip of that spear, those people get cover from all the, you know, the so-called, you know, or I don't want to be flippant about this, but the regular Trump supporters who were there mm-hmm. to just, I just came to stop the steal, you know, and, and, Again, we have to like at the heart of it, you know, be very clear that what they were all rallying around was a lie, a massive lie about the uh, integrity of the election that is continually pushed by the Republican Party, continually pushed by conservative media. And, um, you know, I think you saw some senators who were it total like it obviously got away from them and they were freaked out by that. Kelly Leffler, you know, who just lost in Georgia, flipped or completely flipped a 180. Like, yeah, this no, you know, uh, Lindsey Graham was like, ah, that's enough for me, guys. Right. So you have all these layers and levels of it. And, you know, and um to to try to naively or to try to play naive after the fact, which is what this local did. I mean, I'm sorry, but it sounds like that uh, a CEO of a nonprofit. I know it's probably not the highest paying job in the valley, um, but it's a good, you know, it's a good job to have. Um, but when I heard him on Andy Caldwell, he was trying to spin this, uh, spin it, uh, and tell the story of well, I grew up and I didn't have. You know, he tried to make an economic uh, uh, anxiety argument for his extremism, right? Like I didn't, uh, I grew up and I didn't have the prosperity my parents had growing up in the eighties and da, 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 da. not making the connection of, you know, Reaganism and union busting and um, deregulation and deindustrialization that we on the left um, are always harping on that, you, that you need a systemic critique. And, um, you know, I don't know if this guy believed Joe Biden's a communist or whatever other kooky stuff they're coming up with. Um, but yeah, so you, you, you're very nice to let me ramble or, or, uh, rant about, about this type of stuff, but that's what we saw with our local. And apparently there were a couple other locals there too. 
that haven't been as prominent because they didn't obviously didn't have as important positions in the community. Um, but I've, I'm waiting to hear back from some people who are aware of who they are. I'm not like claiming I'm just going to name people here the names, but um, apparently it wasn't the only one, only person from the area who made it out to Washington uh, for January 6th. I, I love that you brought up Andy Caldwell. Andy Caldwell, listen, uh, with today, dude, the day of the um, the event he had on Joe Arpaio. What? And, his, and was, yeah, no, that's who he had scheduled. Joe Arpaio has a book out. Uh-huh. Joe Arpaio, pardoned by Trump. You know, um, Trump basically mainstreamed his cruel and unusual punishment mm-hmm. to um, immigrants so- from South America and refugees, right? Um yeah, and Andy Caldwell, the day of the attack, was making the Antifa uh, defense. You know, we have some pictures of Antifa. We think Antifa's out here trying to give Trump a bad name. You know, so they're they're so out beyond the pale. Yeah. They're the the far right has gone so far to the level in my in, in my opinion of you know fascistic behavior, um, where you're going to have a far right attack on you know, a governing body, the highest governing body. Right. Um, and, uh, what are you going to do? We're going to, let's blame it on the left wing. <laughs> That's exactly yep. the fascist playbook. Right. And so the, to, to see that kind of stuff. And if you paid attention to, I mean, I, I watch a lot of YouTube political YouTube stuff. Caldwell's ads were real nuts. I mean, if you can go back to the Andy Caldwell for Congress YouTube page, hope he doesn't take him down. Um, uh, his ads were were insane. I mean, just like the only systemic racism black people faces abortions, like straight up, like straight up. And it was just like, whoa, whoa. The globalists are coming for you and your jobs, you know, and just like, oh, wow. whoa, wow, man. And um, so and people have to realize that Andy Caldwell, he he's has this lobbying firm. I, you know, I don't know if it's a certain type of nonprofit. But collab, the Coalition for Labor, Agriculture, and Business. I mean, putting the word labor in there is a joke. He he is on the dole for the wealthiest interests, you know, million billion dollar industries in our county. We're talking big oil, big ag, you know, and other very well to do business interests. And this is why Andy Caldwell just has nothing but time to go to public comment for every um, you know governing body around here and have a radio show where he's talking to people like Joe Arpaio, you know. I don't get that kind of support. I'm on YouTube just, just like everybody scrambling to get a uh, thousand subs to get monetized. You know, there isn't piles of money sitting around for progressives just to uh, make media, you know, but there there's tons for the right wing like Andy Caldwell uh, because it serves the interests of wealth. For sure. And I, I just have to say that your Andy Caldwell impression is absolutely spot on. Thank you, sir. I try my best, but uh, so yeah. good. I've been listening to him for years, and um, you know, it's just it, it's it's crazy where people just take it for granted that you know, not only do you have the whole national right wing media sphere, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Rush Limbaugh and you know Michael Savage, and you know, I, I grew up hearing a lot of that stuff, but then every borough throughout the country has its own little local version, and they tend to parrot the same you know uh, party line on this stuff, and um, it's massively subsidized by wealthy interests and industry, and yeah. uh, you know, and conservative interests. So, um, you know, and, and it's fun to goof on them too. It's just fun. I like it. <laughs> no, it really is. And, w- and what kills me is when they'll say things like. We're being silenced. 
Of course. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the QAnon congresswoman from Georgia, Marjorie Taylor Greene, uh, in, in front of Congress, she's in the House of Representatives, right? You mm-hmm. can't be any more platformed. <laughs> I mean, there's only a couple platforms higher than that, literally a couple. And uh, she's there and her face mask says canceled, right? So that's and that's the other thing that exists on the right that people have to be aware of aware of is it's a culture of aggrievement they can be in control of the white house both halls of congress and stack the supreme court and there's still a war on christmas right and there's still you know the hollywood's against us you know and all these other things that are constantly victimized or self-victimizing themselves which is weird because they project that anyone on the left like oh you just want safe spaces you you have a culture of victimization so why is it that uh you know um you know that that's the problem with the left it's so weird that the projection is really is something especially you know trump saying the election stolen uh when you know we all heard the or not all of us but a lot of us heard the phone call of him with the Georgia Secretary of State going, I just need you to find me eleven thousand and one hundred one one more vote than I lost by. I just need yeah. you to find these votes for me, right? So that's the other thing. That that's where, and when you come across people where they don't maybe don't they're not as savvy, they don't pay attention to the news, they don't have you know like I mean I, I realize that I am in a in very much in a minority because I have media experience and then I'm just a voracious uh, consumer of a lot of different you know, news media that I, I can see the bigger picture of this stuff and normal people, just regular people who don't have that experience or, you know, uh, media literacy, you just hear right wing like talking points enter the discourse, you know, Mm. like, you know, whether it's about taxes or immigration or, you know, just certain lies like, Oh, well, why do the immigrants get all the benefits? No, they don't, you know, and just like so many things, you know, it's part of why I started my channel and and what I do is because I, I, you have so many one-on-one conversations with people and you feel like, like I am doing so much work right now with this one brain to unravel like all these misconceptions and preconceived notions that you know like geez like you know i almost want to be able to tell people you know i have a youtube video of that let me just send you a link so (laughs) so i don't have to you know spend the time here you know here and now kind of outsource it a little bit but or uh i don't know put it out there i do that with my podcast here's a link to an episode on that very topic (laughs) exactly exactly so as we wrap up here um yeah let's look at let's look at the uh the biden administration here Sure. Um, what has he done in the last few days? I went over a bunch of this on my live stream last night, Political Pain on YouTube and Twitch, uh, at Political P-A-Y-N-E. And um, most of it has been executive order. And, you know, he's, I mean, he really has done qu- uh, quite a bit that I think people like me, who he was not our first choice, it was uh, Senator Bernard Sanders, who was our first choice. Um, he, uh, you know, he's done some things that we should be happy about and give him some credit for um of course there's things he hasn't done yet that he kind of was saying he would like canceling student loan debt but um reinstating daca right the um uh you know protecting the dreamers again um you know the um the ending the lease for the keystone oil pipeline um you know, th- there was uh, collective bargaining for federal employees is returned. You know, there were tons of things that Trump did. Like, it, it's funny because, you know, when people talk about the guardrails of democracy with Trump and how he, he 
butt up against them. A lot of it was, um, especially after he lost the house, um, immediately in the first, uh, midterm, um, he, uh, in 2018 is he was just governing by executive order. Oh, the Muslim ban was undone, you know, like all these things that Trump, I mean, and he would literally, you know, a lot of these were penned by Steve Bannon, you know, who is, is a, you know, white nationalist, ethno nationalist, um, figure who um you know even after he left the white house a bunch of these executive orders were just lying around things that he had written up um and so you know biden has undone a bunch of those uh, he's also just ramping up the coronavirus response which you know it's it's interesting like things like the defense authorization or the defense production act or the defense authorization act like getting the government to spur production in the private sector because you know this was first um, happened during the Korean War, and you know it, it's it, you know it's like a wartime power, but we've lost more American citizens in the last year than all like the last fifty years of wars combined of military casualties, right? Mm-hmm. So, kind of be, you know uh, begs the question. It was just one of those things that under Trump, it was like everybody was just saying, "Hey, you could do this. You could you could just make this happen." I mean, the PPE, the uh, the you know, the, the vaccines, all these other things, they did operation warp speed, which did a lot of, which if we want to give Trump credit, it's not like I'm say, you know, orange, orange man, nothing but bad. Um, they did throw a bunch of money at the pharmaceutical industry to get uh, a vaccine, um, produced and, and was successful. But even then they bungled the amount of the vaccine to have ready want to go. So we're already behind in the amount of vaccinations we need to be doing. Um, and so Biden has kicked in the Defense Authorization uh, Act or Production Act so that, um, you know, where we can streamline this, streamline testing, streamline all the things that could have happened months ago. Right. Um, I just got a uh, I just got an envelope in the mail from Covered California of face masks. Um, I don't know if, if you're going to see that or how many people are going to see that. Um, but the post office had a plan months ago to send out face masks to literally every address in the United States and Trump quashed on that stepped on it. So, or his people did to joy so that, you know, the, so much of what Biden has to do right now is just undo the damage. And, you know, Joe Biden on October 25th, 2019, 2019 tweeted that, you know, Oh, look at all the things Trump has done to dismantle our pandemic response. We're not going to be ready for the next pandemic. He was right. I mean, he was absolutely right. And, uh, you know, so not only is Biden going in uh, to the government and all the wires have been yanked out of the wall and, you know, the, it, all the faucets have been left on and they clogged the drains before they did that. They've done everything they possibly could to gum up government because and you could I don't think Trump is uh, a outlier in Republicans. I think he is the logical outcome of this anti-government rhetoric that we've heard from the Republican Party, you know, starting with Reagan. You know, the worst thing you could ever hear is, I'm from the government and I'm here to help, right? That was like one of Reagan's famous lines. And, um, you know, the, the way that the, that the right and the Republicans 
the GOP have operated in this country is to say the government can't do anything and you weren't paying attention when they removed the funding, you know, fired the experts, hobbled the government in every way, shot it in the kneecaps, beat on it with a lead pipe. And then went, look, the government just can't do anything right. You know, we need the private sector to do it and all of that stuff. So it's a bait and switch. It's been going on a long time. Um, and so, you know, Biden, and this is the thing, Biden's not doing anything like anything super hardcore lefty, you know, Bernie Sanders at all. Um, but yeah. it, it, you know, it, it might appear like groundbreaking crazy stuff after four years of Trump. Um, so, so far it's, it's all of that stuff that all remains to be seen. That's what's going to be interesting about this era is now you have all these people who were totally alarmed by Trump. They learned a bit more about how our government actually works. They're now paying attention I do think plenty of people are going to go to sleep. I hope not a lot, but, but I think Trump was so alarming and to really cap it all off with something as insane as an insurrection, an attack on the Capitol and on our, on our duly elected leadership. Um, I think that's enough of a shock that we now have more people, you know, with their eyes open, paying attention. Yeah. We got to contend with the conspiracy theory and the, and the far right and the extremism that existed before Trump, but now we have, you know, 80 million plus voter coalition that is ready to, I mean, that, that did what was considered very difficult, which is to flip Georgia mm -hmm. and, you know, a, a long time red state and Arizona, you know? And so I think, um, you know, if the Democratic Party can deliver for people, if Joe Biden, you know, does, you know, I mean, and, and we should be concerned about, well, we're going to do $1,400 checks because you already got 600, even though I said 2000, you know, like, come on, Joe, just, uh, you know, just as a Joe from one Joe to another, please just, you know, just push a little harder, cancel the student loan debt, not 10,000, do 50,000. Yeah. Do these things because they will make you popular. It's, you know, and, and Republicans are going to call it buying votes. They're going to call it socialism. They're going to call you communist. But, you know, they, like, you know, they, they're going to do that no matter what. It didn't matter who, uh, who it was. If, even if they ran a Republican uh, as a Democrat, you know, someone who switched party and went over, still would have happened. So um, that's the way I see it. That's how I see. That's how I've assessed Biden so far. Again, this yeah. is days days into this thing. I, I think you're right. I, I think that he has to, because of the fact that we're in a pandemic and people are feeling the financial pinch, that he has to act quickly and do things that will affect people's lives tangibly. And yep. he has to do it quick. He yep. can't wait until, you know, midterms or later in his his term. He has to do it Ab now. Absolutely, Jose. Absolutely. Yeah, I think if if we have some return to normalcy by the time we get to 2022 and mm -hmm. people remember that they got 2000 bucks in, uh, you know, direct into their bank account or whatever from Joe Biden, um, you know, that he could get reelected if he seeks reelection. Um, you know, it's a lot of people, he's so old, he's so old, um, you know, and all that stuff, which I, you know, eh, oh, that's mm -hmm. not the, that's is what it is and people will deal with it. But, you know, if, um, Again, like after two years, four years, whatever, who knows if there's, uh, you know, Senator Ivanka Trump of Florida or whatever else. Yeah, I mean, th th this is all could happen, um, you know, or, or who knows what else. I I'm interested also to see what, if any, legal ramifications are Trump and his sphere, sphere going to face after all of this. You mm -hmm. know, the, the rank corruption 
the literal attack on our democracy you know um like what comes of that and and that's the that's the other thing is now we're going to have a post presidential impeachment second impeachment like this is all totally new water for the congress for the united states history um so we're going to see how we're going to have to see how that all plays out um you know the republicans are already crying foul like joe biden you know he talked about unity in his inauguration but he's not victimizing brown people the way that we were and that's really divisive for us you know and he he called out white supremacy as a bad thing so divisive joe biden you know like uh, which and and that's another thing like i gotta give props to joe biden for being probably the only um you know american president to mention white supremacy um in an inauguration speech at least in repudiation you know that it's interesting joe biden you know yes he he's been a conservative democrat a long time um but he also is kind of a guy who you know leans which way the wind is blowing and to a certain degree i think our own uh senator former senator kamala harris uh, now vice president is a bit of the same way when she entered the Senate. One of the first things she did was co-sponsor Medicare for all. Mm. Um, and that, that as a reporter here who doing a little bit of political reporting, writing about that, I kind of leaned back in my desk and went, huh, I think this girl's, uh, you know, banking for the white house. Like that, that was kind of a moment I realized she was up to something and had some plans, you know? Uh, and I think that, you know, she again, once she kind of felt out the primary, she backed away from it and she paid a political price for that. So who knows, you know, when it's her turn to go to swing, to take a swing at it. I'm, you know, I'm sure she's going to just shoot up in popularity. Corporate media is going to be following her, you know, like they did, uh, you know, Obama and, um, and, and Michelle Obama and all of them. She's going to be very popular and there's going to be, you know, and, and the other thing that bothers me is we're already seeing the fluff pieces, you know, Joe Biden's watch. What kind of watch was he wearing? Oh. And Joe Biden rides a Peloton bike and all this, all this crap, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if Americans, uh, you know, people in this community in the Santa Maria Valley, people, uh, uh, you know, across the country, if you're disgusted by the simpering of corporate media, you have a journalist right here who feels that way with you. And so I'm going to have hopefully um, clear eyed, clear headed, you know, and again, I, I make my politics clear. I'm of the progressive left. I don't hide that. Um, but I will let you know what I think and and how I um, you know, am appraising things. One of the things I've tried to really do as much as possible is be less reactionary mm. um, because Trump turned us all into reactionaries in a way. Um, and so, you know, just having knee jerk, um, you know, emotional reactions to every little thing. You know, I, I get the impulse, um, but at the same time, and, and outrage is warranted, especially when you see something like January 6th, but we also need to be clear-headed, and that's why, as someone on the progressive left, I can kind of look at some of Biden's things and go, hmm, you know, they're good. Look at Joe doing, uh, you know, uh, L- LGBTQ, you know, tr- uh, protection for trans people, you know, and in, in their in their workplaces, and you know, that's that's huge. Like basically expanding on the Supreme Court decision um, from last year over that, you know, like you got to give them some props for that, or at least say, okay, that's good. Like, what else can we get out of you, Joe? Like that's yeah. the way. I, <laughs> that's the way yeah. I see it. Absolutely. So I thank you so much for joining me, Joe. That was an awesome conversation. I learned a lot Thanks, <laughs> sitting Jose. here with you. Um, and people, Peace. go check out uh, Mr. Joe Payne over on uh, YouTube at Political Payne, P-A-Y-N-E. Thank you. 
and Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. And you can visit politicalpain.com and you can even give me a donation, support local journalism, but, <laughs> but I appreciate it. And, and thank you for doing what you're doing. I, I think it's really great to see people um, starting their own podcast, having long form conversations. Um, you know, it's, it's funny because in my live streams, I get a little like deer in headlights and you don't remember all the things you wanted to say, uh, you know, when, when you're the only person on camera um, or on the mic, but then when you have someone to talk to and bounce ideas off of you you can get a real um, synergy going and, and i got i you let me really uh, g- go off here and pop off and get in a real lather a few times so i appreciate that it's a lot of fun sometimes yeah. you think of things you didn't think of or, or uh, go down go down avenues that you might have not gone down on your own so i appreciate you inviting me on your show yeah we'll have to have you on again when uh maybe midterms or before that point but I love talking with people like you. You're awesome. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jose. It's good to finally talk with you. I've seen you around town and in the music scene and all that, and at, you know, uh, at the pub, as it were. And so it was, it was good to uh, put a name with the face and talk with you, uh, talk some news of politics. Yeah, likewise, man. Appreciate it. Well, thanks. In this segment of our show, Jose and I will share one thing that we are reading, watching, or listening to. I myself have been uh, reading Matthew McConaughey's mm. book, Green Lights. All right, all which, right, all Which right. my husband here so kindly bought me for Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's, it's, I'm not finished with it yet, but it is amazing. There are so many crazy stories in his life about his family dynamic, um, things that he's experienced personally. He definitely has um, McConaughey-isms. <laughs> he does have a faith-based background, but I feel he kind of pulls from uh, a few different ideologies to uh, kind of create that all right, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> chill vibe you know what i mean but um be a lot cooler if you did yeah right (laughs) it's it's a great read i i highly recommend um to anybody go pick up a a copy and um some good some good stuff just gotta keep living (laughs) l-i-v-i-n nice (laughs) anything else you got going on uh I have been enjoying the podcast literally with Rob Lowe. It is so good. Okay, one, he's got a great voice mm-hmm. for, you know, podcasts, radio, whatever. It's very crisp. He's got a, he has yeah. a crisp voice. Yeah. And um, he's just been in Hollywood forever. Yeah. And the stories that this guy has, the experience, another one with experiences um, and stories and anecdotes and just all that stuff. And his guests, I mean, Mike Myers, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, um, Conan, Conan O'Brien, Star-Lord. Chris Pratt. Yes, Chris Pratt, um, David Spade. Uh, I'm, I'm slowly making my way through. Uh, his episodes, but it's so good. It's literally good. (laughs) (laughs) 
I'll have a check out Soda Pops podcast. Yeah, yeah. At some point. So yeah, I'm totally, totally vibing on that. Nice. It's good stuff. Uh, we have been watching uh, WandaVision. Yes. And today's Friday. We're recording this on Friday. And so that means we need to watch the next episode. That's right. So after this podcast, we'll watch WandaVision. But uh, folks, it's been too long since we've had any Marvel content. I believe it's been about 18 months. But thanks to Disney Plus, we now have WandaVision. Of course, it stars Elizabeth Olsen and... Um, Paul Bettany. Mm-hmm. Olsen reprises uh, her role as Wanda, um, also known as uh, Scarlet Witch, and uh, Paul Bettany as Vision. Who is who is this? I don't know what we'd call him. He's sort of like a synthetic... Humanoid. Humanoid. Yeah. He, he's made up of Jarvis. But he's got bits of Ultron and Tony Stark in him. He's, he's kind of this mix. But, um, yeah, this is such a quirky and funny, nostalgic show. And it has throwbacks to these OG Nick at Night sort of shows like you know, I Love Lucy, um, Bewitched. I even caught some, like, I Dream of Jeannie oh, yeah. references in there. I really appreciated, though, you made a comment that I thought really um, shone some light on this show. Um, you said that it kind of had some Twilight Zone Oh, vibes. absolutely. Yeah. Because it seems like this classic Americana sort of television program, but then yes. there's this dark sort of twist, this bizarre twist. Yeah. And there's an episode, and I forget what it's called, of The Twilight Zone, where there's a little boy who kind of creates his own reality. Mm. And um, he turned someone into like a jack-in-the-box, and everyone's afraid of him because he has like this power to control reality around him. And that's very much what Wanda does in the show. Yes. Um, there's even a moment where... I think it's at the end of episode two where they go outside to hear some noises and they see a beekeeper coming up out of the manhole. Yes. And Wanda goes, no. And then everything goes, just rewinds. Yeah. Back to before that beekeeper came up. Wait, how does it go? (laughs) That's my VCR rewinding sound. Uh, VCR, uh, never mind. (laughs) Just in case those youngsters don't know what a, a VCR is. Oh God. But, um, hey, I've been around since beta, all right? I know. So. That's funny. Anyway, it's a great show. And, and what's funny is, you know, we last saw Vision in Infinity War when mm-hmm. Thanos plucked the Mind Stone out of Vision's head and just totally, like, collapsed his forehead. Yeah. Which is funny because one of the first lines in the first episode comes from Wanda when she sort of using her magic to levitate plates mm-hmm. in the kitchen. It's a little Sleeping Beauty-esque to me. You know, when the the fairy godmothers oh, yeah. were uh, using their their wands to clean the dishes and oh, yeah, yeah. make the cake and make the dress and, yeah. Yes. Yeah, so think of that image, and that's what Wanda is doing basically in her kitchen with yeah. the dishes. And Vision comes home from work. And he walks into one of the dishes and his head <laughs> destroys one of them. And uh, Wanda says, oh, my husband with the invincible head. Oh. And my first thought was his head's not invincible because if you watch Infinity War, his head got totally cratered by Thanos' index finger and thumb. Wow. So I didn't even think of that until you mentioned it. Right well, it's because I'm, I'm a nerd like that. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Anyway, it's going to be a great show. I- I'm loving it. Um, tonight will be episode four. Yeah. Um, Looking uh, forward to watching it. 
yeah, when this show is done, then it's going to be Falcon and Winter Soldier. Then we have the Loki show. Yeah. There's going to be um, Black Widow, all kinds of Spider-Man, three news, Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness. There's a lot of Marvel stuff coming out. We're going to get our fix here pretty soon. Yes. Can't wait. Yes. All right, guys. That's all for this week. We want to thank Joe Payne for being our guest and I want to thank my wife, Christina, she's my gorgeous, sexy wife. Oh my God. For filling in this week as my co-host. Uh, we also want to thank you, our listeners. Um, and please pray for Joel, for good health. You could do us a huge favor by subscribing to our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podbean, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to leave a review because your rating will help others find our show. It would also mean a lot to us if you shared this episode with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers. Oh, man. We have cans. It doesn't sound as good. No. Yes. <laughs> Whatever works. All right, all right.